This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. I don't know what we're going to do around here with all this cold weather we've been having. Doesn't somebody know that this is Louisiana and not Green Bay? Snow twice in six weeks? My goodness, ice on the streets? I mean, you gotta, when you walk out of your house around these parts this time of the year, you better look down first or you're going to end up on your back looking up at your ankles. My goodness, I sound like an old crotchety man complaining about the weather, right? Well, that's, that's halfway true. It's been interesting. Depending on when you're listening to this, if you're hearing it right about when the show was, was, was uh, put up on the website, <laughs> which is in the back of the middle part of January, we had snow here a couple of days ago, and it was just, it was, it was interesting. It is good to be alive. I will say that. There are people who have tough situations, certainly more tough than worried about the cold weather, but my goodness. All right. We have a great conversation for you today. First of all, the gentleman that you're going to hear from today is more than dynamic, more than dynamic. And that's not something you can put on many people because a lot of people can talk the talk and can give you that storefront attraction. But what happens when you go inside? Are the things on the shelves as good as the thing in the window? And in the case of the gentleman I'm going to introduce you to shortly, it's even better the deeper you get into the situation because you see layers of compassion and intellect. Two things that I consider to be primary priority virtues for builders. You got to care and you have to have a clue. And I will introduce you to Bishop Omar Jawar, who is going to be our guest on this show. He's my friend. He's my brother. And in the short time that we've known one another, uh, we I mean, we're simpatico on so many issues. And we are in the we, we are really on what I believe is the cutting edge of bringing together people of all backgrounds for the general purpose of helping our communities. That's my thing. I move away from anything that becomes about agendas otherwise <laughs> other than what I agree with. And it's not judgment. Hey, everybody's got a right to do things the way they want to do it. The program that I was a part of with Bishop Omar, which is something that we're going to talk about in what looks like is going to be a two or three part conversation, was amazing. It brought together People from different sides of the political aisle. People from different sides of the economic spectrum. People from entertainment and faith. All on one stage. I mean, this group had a combination of the hip-hop artist Scarface and former presidential candidate Ted Cruz. Yep. Yep, you heard me right. I Nope, I am not having a stroke. I saw that. That did happen. Those two people were together on stage at an event. And that isn't even the main course. Oh, my goodness. And the program itself is really about impacting the lives of people. And listen, it's hard work. And as you will hear us talk about, it's not one of these grandiose, uh, we go in and snap your finger, and then we're going to turn a community around. It's going to happen overnight. No, no. They're laboring in this effort for a while. 
trying to push their way to creating some positive change. And it brought together these people, but also on stage at the end of the program was a conversation that was all about love and not grievance. And I am so proud to have been a part of that discussion. <clears throat> and I'm proud of the people who were there. And I, I, I just am beyond grateful to Bishop Omar for pulling this together. Now, you've, listen, with a buildup like that, he, this has got to be one heck of a guy, right? You'll see that I'm right about it and what he's doing. And then we'll get you going. Uh, we, we just wrapped up the conversation as I record this open, and a scheduling conflict kept him from going a bit longer. But we've agreed that we're going to do more and we'll take it as long as we need to. But I would like you to hear about this program. For any of you who have been saying the violence is too much, I'm, I'm tired of seeing all this crime, the black on black crime, the, the poverty, all these things that are going on and you're looking to change it. It really is about saying, what can we do to fix it? And I believe he's got the right idea. So we'll take a quick break and come back and I will introduce you to Bishop Omar Jawar, our guest on this edition of The Clay Young Show. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here, and listen, if you are trying to sell your home but you want to save money, let me tell you something. Denise Harris with Remax Preferred Choice has the answer. Denise, let's talk about that. Yes, Clay. I'm really, really excited to talk about this promotion. Mm -hmm. uh, we're offering a commission of 3.6%. That's mm -hmm. all you pay. Right. Instead of paying a 6% or a 5%, wow. we're offering you the same services for 3.6%. So you save money, thousands. Yes. And what else do you get? You get a full service listing. Okay. And professionals, full-time agents that are here to service you. You also get professional photos. Right. Right. That's how people shop now. Right. Professional photos are going to help you sell your property. So don't miss the opportunity to get this help. Contact Denise Harris and Annie McGarner right now. How can people reach you? Give us a call at 291-4440, 291-4440, or you can stop by our office at 3300 North Shore Forest Drive. We're here to service you. That's Remax Preferred Choice. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Bishop Omar Jawar, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Urban Specialists, a fantastic organization that you're about to learn a great deal about that had what I consider an historic event on Monday, uh, MLK Day in Dallas, Texas. It was something to behold, and we'll take our time, we'll get to that. He is also the pastor of Kingdom Worship and Restoration Church in Dallas, so the man has a full plate and that's not even the end of it because he's about to put something in Baton Rouge that I think is going to be fantastic. My brother, how are you this morning as we record this? Brother Clay, I feel good, man. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. It's just great. I feel great. All right. So we were together. We've been together several times, and, and I kind of want to talk people through the timeline 
of of us getting to know each other and you being in Baton Rouge and what you've already done here, what you plan to do here. But let's start at the beginning. Monday, your father was talking a lot. We were in your office and waiting on the luncheon that was held before the big event on Monday night. And he was talking about your passion for being in the community and, and your unique talents to be able to go and talk to some of the people who are either misguided men or who have had some tough situations that have led them to a lifestyle that just isn't in their best interest. Where did all, all of that begin? Your passion for going into the inner city and helping people change and redeem their lives. Well, let me first say, um, if you were talking to my dad a lot, I apologize <laughs> if he held you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, he, he was holding court in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that, man. <laughs> but, man, I, I've been doing it so long. You know, even when I was young, my I had a sense of obligation to uh, community and activism, you know, you, you know, just growing up. A lot of my family, you know, we're from the neighborhood, you know, we did our best to shelter ourselves from it. But, you know, it's obvious that you grow up with challenges and you do one or two things. And I understood this very young. Um, you either become a part of the solution or you succumb to the issue. And so we decided then, when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, I've been doing this all my life to do, you know, uh, groups. I, I, I wrote a concept when I was 13, called Students for Humanitarian Justice as an alternative to student council because I felt like student council was developed by people who were smart and they had good intent. But, you know, sometimes you got to find folks who may not have all the right sayings, but they have the right heart. And so, I, you know, it's just that's been in my spirit. And my father, he would take me to the streets because my dad has a long history of of doing things in the neighborhood because he was a product of very violent circumstances. He was in jail more than anyone. He was this. So he's been a pastor for uh, almost 40 years. But prior to his pastor, he was one of those. So, But he never left the streets. So he would always take me to the blocks and take me to the colonies and take me to the, you know, so I was always aware. So that's where it comes from. And Urban Specialists is the organization that you lead. It is a collection of some of the most dynamic people. It's eclectic. I mean, it's a gumbo. All right. I'm from Louisiana and we and, you know, everybody here knows about a good gumbo. And (laughs) (laughs) that's what this is. And it's amazing. So Urban Specialists as, as specialists as a concept and as an organization is something you created. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, what it is, it's the answer, we believe it's the answer to what urban culture is dealing with and, and, and such. You need interpreters. You need some folks whose jobs it is to get close enough to the culture and figure ways to make penetrable marks against the ideas that are infectious. Ideas like irrational violence makes sense because we're in survival mode. That's not true. Love and sex is the same thing, not true. So you got to have some people who are interpreting on the ground and interpreting up the stream also. So that's what Urban Specialist is. It's a collection of individuals that we place inside of urban communities to say, be that catalyst for us. And we, you know, and, and so we've been doing it for about 20 years. And the way I d- 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 developed it is for the first uh, years of my career, I worked in the prisons. I was a gang specialist. My job was to go inside the youth prisons primarily and deal with the gang leadership and teach them how to frame their, 
civility even while they were inside of the prisons. And what I found is leadership counts. So we would empower the leaders and train them so that they could be transformative agents. And that's what we did for years. And then we just kind of opened it all the way up to do it inside of the neighborhoods and the communities. And, and now we're trying to do it more at the state and around this country. It is. It's interesting. So let's talk about the interaction. I mean, you find people who have turned their lives around or some people who are in the in the midst of turning their lives around. You bring them into the program and you use them as a part of your outreach mechanism. Explain the interaction between the urban specialists and the urban communities you serve. Well, this is what it is. Leadership is always in you know, you always have a current leadership in any society. And so most of those leaders um, that we get, uh, they are in their transition. They may be good people at heart, but their actions and their heart ain't matching. They may be, they may have the right characteristics, but their character needs to be transformed. So we go and find those individuals who are the indigenous leaders and say, let me, let me make what you are fit what we need rather than just fit what you need because you're a leader. And and we train and we assist them in that development. And then in turn, we say, now we need you to become our ambassadors as we lead the culture and the community to a high ground. And so we it becomes a, um, a, a sense of two-tier development, leadership training, and then execution. So they'll go into those neighborhoods where it's violent, and the goal is to curtail senseless violence, make that a, uh, a non-acceptable idea when it comes down to interaction, just make violence, just try to take it off the table. Well, to take violence off the table, you're taking one of the main cogs. You know, you're taking the queen off the chessboard. So what do you replace it with? So we would re- you replace it with opportunity and ideas. And so then it permeates throughout whatever society that we're in, whether it's school, criminal justice, business, we become that new answer for them. And then they go in and do that one-on-one, and we do it through cultural, uh, what we call invasion. So we invade uh, those uh, arenas that, that, that are dominant in urban culture, like social media, radio. You know, we become that new conversation that says this is the new norm. And then we have on-the-ground programs that we call intrusive programs, very close-up programs where we are mentoring and all of that, mentoring young people, mentoring guys who are the uh, leaders. And then we ask them to permeate that idea, make it viral, infect an area with this thought. And when that area gets infected, it becomes, it, it dominates the thought pattern. And before long, now you start dealing in possibilities, not just in tragedy. It is so amazing because you shift the paradigm of so many people and they start to see, the program does, they start to see themselves and their environments differently and they become a part of the solution, as you say earlier. And the the offshoot of that is so amazing for so many people. I mean, you're talking about for kids in school who don't go to school or who show up to just be disruptive and eat a couple times, now become a part of the student body in a a constructive way that'll help them going forward. In communities, violence comes down because now these people take ownership of the communities they're in and it's 
it is something it's it's I've never seen anything like it. Like for over 25 years, I've been involved in, in volunteerism and in communities all over. People ask me to help. I, I kind of want to help. I have a heart for that. But rarely do I see something that gets people to buy a new way of thinking as you have had this happen with people. W- what do you feel like when you watch someone that you encounter who is heading down a bad path, turn their life around and then be a constructive member of a community? Man, Clay, it is the most rewarding feeling ever because what you say is you know the seeds that you planted and you're looking at the harvest. So you get it. You know, you get it at the beginning. You say, man, this is, this is, you know, it's nothing like giving the possibility and seeing it play out. Because what happens is, like an Anton Lucky who spoke brilliantly, profoundly on the MLK event. Yes. You know, he wrote that. You know, it was not written. He wrote that himself. Well, he was in prison and was a leader of the blood gangs. He was all of that when I met him uh, coming out of prison. So to see him do that makes me realize that this is uh, this is absolutely truth uh, personified. So it's, it's so rewarding, man. I can't tell you. And then a young person. See, see now watch this quick. Most people don't realize how how much robbery takes place in the souls of young people who succumb to being this 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 copied version of a gangster, whatever they want to be, when they are trying to survive in tough neighborhoods. So when a kid can turn around and be a kid again and say, "Bishop, uh, 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 man, I like art. Uh, man, I really like to sing. Or, right. You know, but I can dance." So, man, that is so because they begin to be true young people again, and so now we can start investing from the top and not invest in assuming that they're not going to make it. It's re- it's rewarding beyond measure. And, you know, we got a chance to go into one of the schools that you are impacting in, in the Dallas community. And I think there is 1,200. I think there are 1,200 kids in that in that school. Is that right? Yep, that was uh, uh, Billy Day, yes. And so we go in and meet with the principal who is so dynamic. In fact, I was joking with her and asking her what would it take to steal her and bring her back to Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, as a part of the program, and hey, 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 hey. <laughs> this is what it's gonna be in. Man, love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, she was talking about the impact the culture has and uh, of the program has on her kids. You know, truancy rates dropped. It went from being a failing school to a passing school, went from being dysfunctional to functional. The entire culture of the campus changed. And I'm thinking, man, that's what's needed across this country is getting kids to buy into their own potential, you know? Man, you're absolutely right. You know, dynamic leadership. And let me just say this. Um, before we go any further, man, you are a dynamic leader. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's just real, man. <laughs> the reason I'm going to Baton Rouge, the reason we're doing all this is you. Uh, we had an investor who invested uh, to say, let's let's get some policy. But, it, but you know, we were not, uh, Baton Rouge is on the radar, but it was like one of them blips. You say, it's, it's, it's right there. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> but you made it a screaming asteroid. <laughs> man, hey, y'all better solve it or we crashing into your earth, man. <laughs> well, and, and, and uh, we, can, we can move to, 
to you coming to Baton Rouge for the benefit of keeping this going because we have so much to cover. But I do want to ask, I want to kind of piggyback on something I was asking you earlier. The most rewarding story that you have seen, mm-hmm. you, you've talked about Anton and his his turnaround and what he's been able to do. But, you know, him aside, because he's, he's a part of your leadership team now, I'm talking about someone that you have encountered and when you look back, it is such a miraculous change that it just almost brings you to tears because you think, my goodness, we may have saved this person, this young man, this young woman from either a life in prison or the graveyard. You got any stories, stories like that for us? Gary Walker did 21 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Certified as an adult at 15, imprisoned at 16, did 21 years, came out. He was not exonerated. We're still working on his exoneration, but he, he did not get exonerated yet. So when he came out of prison, he came to us. And when he came to us, it was very real, you know, uh, regardless of what you are, environment creates a certain pattern. So he become institutionalized. He become part of that world, good, bad, and different. When I got that young man, Anton had told me about him. But when we got him, man, it was uh, it was tough because he had, you know, how do you operate like that without bitterness, without suspicion, maintaining your trust level, your traction. And when I see him, he is the leader of a group we have called RHI, which is a security team. He is supervising five or six guys. He picks me up. He 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 would he would come, and I would have him come in crazy hours, man, just to see how his commitment was. I said, Vito, we got Vito. Vito, I need you to come at my house. Be here at six a.m. He would come to my house at six a.m. and then I would make him wait till eight. Just sit in my living room. You know? <laughs> He's like, man, what you doing? Because I was trying to establish new patterns and say things like, you know, and then I would work with him on the benefits and consequences program. For him to be a trainer now and to be inside of the world he's in, man, it is, I cry every time I see him. He is not bitter. He, he goes and meets with children. He is the epitome of redemption. And he says, man, even if I, even if I don't have a paper that says I'm exonerated, my spirit is free and and he's in discovery mode. So things that we take for granted, he's in total discovery mode. He's like, look at this, look at that. That's what, you know, he just is absorbing new life. So that's a story that I'll never forget. And, and you know, he's current in, in my world. So that's one that I won't ever forget. It is. It's amazing to watch and then see the impact that the change has had on the members of your team and it's, it goes back to kind of what you and I have talked about before, that everyone deserves a chance to be redeemed and, and a chance to turn their lives around. And I'm often frustrated yeah. when I hear people talk about violence and crime in the inner city, but who are unwilling to create opportunities that allow people to fish for themselves and, and build yeah. for themselves. And that's what I love about this program. It's you make them accountable, not just to the program, but to themselves so that they can take accountability over their lives. That, to me, is yeah. liberating for them. And, and I'm, I'm just in awe of that. Well, you know, we tell them, man, only inspired people can inspire people. You know, wow. that, that no matter what has happened to you, you're responsible for what you do for you. That proof of behavior is not what you do, but what you say. Your mind can say anything, but your behavior don't lie. 
we give them these ideas and these two and this and this code of conduct that says we can have a great reason. Let's have a great blame party. Who who all want to blame somebody? So who want to blame God? Who, who want to blame their dad and not being there? Who want to blame the society? It'll be great. Now you ain't gonna get no change out of that, and right. you'll be at the same place you were when you started. But if we want to have one of them. Let's just have it. And and who you can get some brandy whiskey, hands what you want. And just, <laughs> let's just have a great blame session. Now who's gonna do like uh, the sergeant did in Private Ryan, the Tom Hanks play? He said, "Hey man, I don't know Ryan. I ain't never met Ryan." But I know I got my orders. So good, bad, and different. Y'all can quit, but I'm going to get my helmet, and I'm going to go save Private Ryan. Right. For whatever reason, man, we can't keep arguing about why the shots been fired, why is it We got to say, where's the source and solve the source and not blame and find a way to bemoan because it doesn't do anything to us. You have enough. I have too many examples to show them both uh, locally and nationally, that there are too many people who have survived worse. So you can survive this. And watch this. Like, I, I get a lot of young people that say, man, I ain't scared to die. I said, okay, you're not scared to die. You're not afraid to die. What if you live through this? Then what you going to do? You know, because wow. most of y'all going to make it through this, you know, period. And what's your plan for life? Everybody can plan for death. You know, a kamikaze death is always good in the movie. Right. Until somebody rescue you and say, no, you ain't dead. You got to live with the consequences of your foolish behavior. See, all of those things are eye-opening and, and they're real, and it's enough reinforcement of folks when they are vulnerable and not trying to play the game that they can tell some of these young people, this is what truth feels like, brother. And I'm telling you that you're living in a lie, and it just feels good because it's, fa it's fantasy. But, you know, I don't want to get all in that, but that's just, that's just how it is, man. That's why I connect with you and uh, what you guys are doing. That's why I, was, that's why I love when you connected us to Tanisha and, and uh, Tanya. Because, man, life, ain't, that ain't fair. Right. That ain't fair for those young ladies to have to deal with well, that. But let's, but let's, let's, work, let's work our way, let's work our way to that and, 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 and get to work our way up to what happened uh, earlier this week as we record this on MLK Day. Um, I went to Dallas, I think, in October of last year to go and see the program. And right. I, I flew in, uh, and then the, the next morning we meet at the Urban Specialists headquarters, and it's a group of people from Atlanta, uh, the team in Dallas, and people in organizations that help support what you're doing as well. And we all meet, and that was my first time you and I having met in person, and I was just a guy in the group. And so I kind of stayed off and watched, and we went to a couple of schools. You took us through a couple of areas in Dallas where there was real violence. You put your community headquarters, because you've got your main HQ, but your community headquarters is in one of the most violent parts of Dallas previously, uh, or previous to Urban Specialists. And I just remember thinking, this is amazing, but I wanted to hear a lot about the result metrics. I wanted to hear the outcome information because normally, you know how it goes. You go see a program and everybody's got a grandiose vision, but what's the ROI? You know, what, what, what is the outcome of what, what you're doing? And that's all y'all were hitting is results. Here's what's happened at the school. Here's what's happening on this block. Here's what we're doing in the communities. Okay, they're fighting in the school. We're in the schools. They're fighting on the buses. We're on the buses. And I'm thinking, okay, I've never seen this before. 
And so the first thing I did when when we had and we had lunch and I'm asking questions. In fact, for people listening, I ta- I mentioned the school and the principal. Well, one of the deputy school superintendents was there and he talked about metrics. He says he audits what the program is doing every six weeks or so. And it's stunning every time they hit the numbers every time. And I'm thinking, man, OK, this this is not your your average ordinary program. I got to get this thing in Baton Rouge. So I go go back to the hotel. I call a mutual friend of ours and we were talking about this. And I said, man, we need this yesterday. Not today, not tomorrow, yesterday. And so I knew I was going to come back. Well, in the midst of of you and I talking back and forth about this, Baton Rouge had an, an extra spike in what was an extra violent year. And I remember the two or three day period that preceded me saying we needed to do something. I had been hearing for so long, reading in the paper, watching on news, people talking about the murder and the perspective, in my opinion, was not completely, but was largely based on either hate or ignorance. People Mm -hmm. and, and neither of those things can fix anything. And so I said, man, let's go do something. Let's go into the community and change the energy in the community. And, I'm, and I want to call black people, white people, business people, law enforcement officers, uh, religious people, community people. And then I'm going to call my friend in Dallas and see if he'll hop a bird and come over. And you were like, I'm coming. I'm there. And you didn't just come by yourself. You brought folks with you. And it was right. on that Monday where we walked one of the streets of Baton Rouge that I introduced you to Trinisha Jackson and Tanya Garofola. And we walked and loved on people and spoke to folks. Um, that first experience when you came to Baton Rouge to be a part of that, talk about that. You know, Clay, I had never seen a uh, an idea like this happen to where you called us and said, let's come. But I really was thinking it was going to be you and group of brothers who were, you know, in a fraternity. You know how it goes, you know. <laughs> uh, so that was my assumption. I said, okay, got some some capital, some brothers, you know, they got to go around, you know. <laughs> Try to help the community. I'm down. Help these brothers, man. <laughs> when I saw police and former chief uh, and SWAT and, and, and uh, pastors and business leaders and, and chamber of color, I said, what? get to that in just a second i'm gonna get to that in just a second (laughs) yeah and it was just an amazing uh turn of events man i i just i admit when you showed me those two ladies that were together uh and they were laughing they were playful but they you know they i saw that a lot of people were were looking at them in awe and i didn't know who they were and it turns out it's uh tanisha uh and, uh, and Tanya, yeah. It's, it's Tanya. Uh, so it was uh, it was unbelievable, man. So that's what started this whole process of us understanding the power of their testimony and their witness. It was it was it was amazing. 
Well, you know, that day and how much how much time do you have before we keep going? I know that, that you're busy. You're a busy, man. You got stuff going on. You got time to keep going. How much time do you have? Yeah, I, I can keep going. If I if I uh, I got I'm a, I got to run into a meeting, but I want to finish this before I go into a meeting because you got me thinking now <laughs> that if we might need to write, write a memoir on <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll, and what we'll do is maybe we'll do a part one and a part two to this conversation. I think we can make that happen. You know, so I I happen to know the guy who owns the podcast, so we can we can make that work out. So, uh, (laughs) so, so then we we're out there walking, and people, like you said, were talking about how dirty it was. We saw a couple empty lots, and there was trash everywhere. Kids playing next to areas with broken bottle glass and all this stuff and then some areas with street lights and so our thing was you know what we're going back to clean up when we went the first time we didn't tell them we were coming we're going to go back the second time and not announce it and so uh, you had your team there you had a scheduling conflict but you sent a bunch of your team and we get out there and we we are picking up trash and the, right. the city is, is moving the trash out of the streets and we're getting street lights fixed just to tell people we meant what we said. You matter and we're back here for you. And I think that that does change people's perspective, don't you? Yeah, man. It's, it's not just talking about it when a person sees it in, uh, in real action. You know, it's not just a bunch of hype, man, when you say I'm back, I'm here and then I'm back. And then I'm back again, and then I'm, you know, and I and I'm desperately trying to figure out what is it I can do to help you. It, it was just, man, I, I'm just telling you, I, I cannot accurately describe the the breath of fresh air that that was because that was the sweets and the streets meeting and both vulnerable, you know, they both were vulnerable at the same time. So it was it was powerful, man, and 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 I think that that is really to be honest. That was the icebreaker needed to see who was all connected. Right. Who, who really was who, who was connected on this beyond the superficial uh, level. That's so it right. was it was it was unbelievable. Well, you know, and I know you have to run. I want to talk about what took place on Monday on MLK Day and the great program and leading up because there was more to it because we the group of people here that support the program has grown uh, by with you know with the district attorney's office and the police department the sheriff's office because you and I both believe it's important that people have interaction with the police and that police are respected because of the job that they have but that there's also a bridge of communication with poor communities and law enforcement and we both have that passion to see that that can happen and not be manipulated by people who benefit from the division am i right that's exactly right man and that is just as profound and that's right where we are that this is you know this this is not about this is not about self-aggrandizement, nor trying to create a messianic conflict with those who are supposed to be the healers. Right. It's for those who are trying to minister to the sick. Who can find a way to give cures to those who are in desperate and disease? That's what this is about. And you find those people who are not afraid to get close enough 
to those who need to be treated. So it's, it's powerful, man. And, and uh, look, we got look, yeah, we got a good. <laughs> okay, I, so so yes, the, we we, we <laughs> please. And listen, I think he likes you, so it'll work out, and and we will definitely do a part two to this. I know you got to jump into your meeting, so let's do that. We'll stop this interview right here, and then we'll do a part two because there is so much to talk about, specifically the powerful moment that took place, not just at the event in Dallas, but at the rehearsal for the event before that just kind of happened. Man. Hey, man, you know, it's not my first rodeo. I've done this a few times. (laughs) (laughs) This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for the Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get the Waiting Room podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. It's Manners in a Minute, presented by Manners of the Heart. I've often wondered how identical twins raised by the same mom in the same environment became so different. One is a born leader with an eye for proportion and a keen mathematical sense. The other is a brilliant negotiator with a gift for problem solving and creative thinking. Every child is created with unique talents and abilities. Your job as a parent is to help your child become his or her best self so they find their purpose. When you help your child discover their gifts, you equip them to fulfill their purpose. Here are some practical tips. Take your children to a variety of museums and performances. Expose them to biographies of people from many walks of life. Spend time together outdoors. Involve them in art projects. So instead of stressing performance, Stress purpose. Help your children discover what they have been given to give the world. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Just an unbelievable person. I look forward to us continuing this conversation, and we will. I, I can go back into my mind to that first Monday when we were all together. I mean, that group included members of the sheriff's office, members of the Baton Rouge Police Department, two former police chiefs, Dabity and Leduff, the district attorney, Adam Knapp with the Baton Rouge Area Chamber. I mean, business leaders, my buddy Scott Overby with Doe's. Bishop Charles Wallace's church, Oasis, was a part of this. He was out of town. Actually, he got back in town just as we were wrapping up. He was flying in from somewhere, but he had members of his staff and members of his church out there with us to walk. And Trenisha Jackson, Tanya Garofola, they were out there. And Desha could not be there. She had a conflict. And it was a group of people who just wanted to be a part of the solution. Todd Graves gave us some food to give away. We had other food, and it was such a special evening. And the only thing we wanted to accomplish was what he said. We just want to knock on doors, and, and that was my goal. Knock on doors, love on people, say, hey, you okay? Everything good? We just want to let you know, we're, you know we are here for our neighbors. That was all. 
We, we walked a couple of blocks and touched a, a bunch of people, gave out the food and water we had, spoke with people about their situation. And that's how we ended up going back to clean up because we saw what was happening there and what it looked like. And, and the DA was, was the most gung-ho of anybody saying, let's go back and do this. Let's show the, the folks who live here that this is not just puffery, that we really do care. Let's go back and follow up. And I said, hey, man, I'm in. I'm in. So a couple of weeks later, we show up. We've got you know, lawn. We've got mowing equipment. Uh, you know, the DPW, the Department of Public Works in Baton Rouge, is there. And we're out there. And here was the most amazing thing about it. We're not out there 45 minutes before people who live in that neighborhood start to come out and help us. So now they're a part of the process of cleaning their neighborhood. We had people, men, crying because they were so appreciative that we would come back and do that. The city stepped up. The mayor was out there with us as well and members of her team. Rowdy Godet, one of her uh, chief administrative officers, was out there. And we just went out there to follow up. That's all it was. And that was just, and, and we, we did it, we have done it since then, and there are going to be a lot more of them this year. And that's it. What's the agenda? Just to let people know that love is the answer, doesn't matter what the question is. And urban specialists will have a prominent role in what we do here in Baton Rouge. And we'll get to that in our conversation as we move forward. Listen, I appreciate you guys being with us for another edition of the show. It is always our pleasure to host you here. Don't forget, you can follow me on Facebook, backslash Clay Young on Twitter, at Clay Young BR, as in Baton Rouge. And Urban Specialists, Google that program. You will be amazed at the work that they have done and the people connected to this. The program that we did on Monday also included a video package or a video message from Dr. Bernice King and Speaker Paul Ryan. You want to talk about bringing people together from different points of view, all for the purpose of being a part of positive change. Anyone who can criticize that is not someone that I want to have any involvement with. You can believe that. And with that, we'll get out of here and we'll catch you for part two of our conversation with Bishop Omar Jawar of Urban Specialists, who's also the pastor of Kingdom Worship and Restoration Church right there in Dallas, Texas, which, by the way, I was in Dallas watching the game between the Vikings and the Saints. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. Mm-hmm. So I'll get out of here. We'll catch you next week here on the Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Clay Young Show.